so much for a new day, Lord Jesus. Father, today we are celebrating uh, Palm Sunday. Father, 2,000 years ago, Father God, you decided to lay down your life for us, Father God, walk through the cross, knowing that that was what I was waiting, we was waiting for you, Father God, you decided to go forward, Father. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we meditate in this way for your sacrifice for us, Father God, that we will do the same thing, that we will lay down our life for you, Lord, because we know that you are worthy. You pay the price in that cross, Father God. You have set us free from death, death and sin, Father God. Father, this morning, uh, we really want to lift it up. Uh, the pastor in Turkey, Matthew, 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 if I'm not mistaken, his name, Lord. Lord, I pray not only for him, for every single I believe they are in prison right now around the world, Father God. They are paying the price, Father, of them sharing the gospel with the lost, Father God. So we pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you are strengthening him physically, mentally, and spiritually, Father God. Lord, that he will be able to endure this difficult time, Father God, and remember that he's, that he's worthy. His sacrifice right now is worthy, Father God. So I pray that you are strengthening him, not only him, but every single uh, brother and sister around the world that they are suffering right now, Lord. So we thank you in advance. I thank you so much, Father, for the privilege that we have that we can come together and worship you here in this in this place, Father God. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we start our worship time, let's go to John chapter 12. As no one was praying, it is Palm Sunday. Um, Holy Week as well. And we have Easter next week. Psalm 34, verse 14. Anyone tell me? I was praying this morning. Um, turn for evil, get doing good, not keep doing good, turn for evil, seek peace, and maintain it. Yes. So turn from evil, yes. do good, yes. seek for peace, and work hard to maintain it. Yes. Hopefully you've had a good week this week, putting that into practice. One way that we can turn from evil and do good is by getting in the Word of God. Yes. The Bible says that we need to be doers of the Word, just not hearers of the Word. If we're Christians, we know that as we sit down and we open up God's Word, that we really get the true revelation of God's heart. Mm-hmm. And today, as we think about Palm Sunday and we think about this upcoming week, I want us to be encouraged, and I want to kind of encourage you to to go throughout this week and stay in Scripture. If you haven't, if that's not a regular discipline for you, then start it today. And start here in John 12, verse 12, and work your way through up until his resurrection. And watch Jesus' life, you all. Because he's our example. He's our example. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We've talked about it before. The cross was purposed even before the world was formed. Jesus knew his purpose. He knew that the cross was set before him. We will find him, as if you go through these scriptures, we'll find him praying, not my will, but your will be done. 
He's entering in Jerusalem. And we're going to read how these people celebrated his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. But yet, these people did not know him. Some did, but the majority didn't. And look what it says here, starting in verse 12. The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down to the road to meet him. They shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the king of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Let, I'm sorry, look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at that time that this was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him. Prophecy, you all, from the Old Testament. And as we're studying through the Old Testament, it's all pointing to Jesus. God's plan, the Messiah, the one who would come to redeem mankind, to reconcile mankind back to God. God's plan to have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. And they would live for him. Fulfillment. These words that were spoken long before Jesus, way before Jesus came. Jesus is fulfilling. That should encourage us. As we're meditating on God's word, as we're, as we're turning from evil and doing good, as we're seeking for peace and working hard to maintain it, we can find comfort in scripture that Jesus is who he says he was. That he is the son of God. He is the Messiah. He is the Redeemer. This is good news. He's fulfilling what was spoken. Many in the crowd, in verse 17, had seen Jesus call Lazarus from the tomb, raising him from the dead, and they were telling others about it. That was the reason so many went out to meet him, because they had heard about the miraculous signs. Then the Pharisees said to each other, there's nothing we can do. Look, everyone has gone after him. Wow. Soon, Greeks who had come to Jerusalem for Passover celebration paid a visit to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. They said, Sir, we want to meet Jesus. Philip told Andrew about it, and they went together to ask Jesus. And Jesus replied, Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me. Because my servants must be where I am, and the Father will honor anyone who serves me. 
Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. You ever had a rough week? You've ever been misunderstood? Look how Jesus responds. Look how he turns to the Father. For the Father's will to be done. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, God, let that be our heart's cry as well. Let us be those who are following Christ. No matter what others are saying, what others are, are, are doing, no matter what circumstances we're finding ourselves in, let us be like Jesus, humbled, submitted to the will of the Father. He's predicting his death. And he's given them an understanding that through his death, many would come to life. And then I love this next portion of scripture then a voice spoke from heaven saying I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again when the crowd heard the voice some thought it was thunder while others declared an angel had spoken to him wow <clears throat> then Jesus told them the voice was for your benefit not mine the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. And when I'm lifted up from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The crowd responded, we understood from scripture that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man would die? Just who is this Son of Man anyone, anyway? And Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can, so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus went away and was hidden from them. The light, you all. You've been engrafted into his kingdom. If you're a Christian, you, you have been transferred from darkness into his marvelous light. And we are called to live as children of light, bearing his image. Think upon that this week. And not just this week, it should be daily. But again, if that's not a daily discipline in your life, then let it be so this week that it begins. That you think upon that. It goes on here, but despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. This is exactly what Isaiah the prophet had predicted. Lord, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe, for as Isaiah also said, the Lord has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts so that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand and they cannot turn to me and have me heal them. Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this because he saw the future and spoke of the Messiah's glory. 
Many people did not believe him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders. But they wouldn't... I'm sorry. Many many people did believe in him. I'm sorry, here we go. However, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than the praise of God. And Jesus shouted to the crowds, If you trust me, you are trusting not only me, but also God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as a light to shine in the dark world, so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. I will not judge those who hear me, but don't obey me. Obey me, for I have come to save the world and not to judge it. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth I have spoken. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Wow, Jesus' words. As he enters into Jerusalem, as he's on his way to the cross, he's still bringing glory to the Father. May that be said in our lives that as we go day in and day out and day in and day out, because we will never endure what he had to endure. But may we, as we go through our lives, day in and day out, may the will of the Father be our purpose. To know him, to honor him, to turn from evil, to do good, to seek for peace, and work hard to maintain it. There were a lot of people gathered on this day celebrating him, and yet they had so many questions they really didn't even know him. And he's making himself known even to them. As he's making himself known to people today. There's a lot of people who know the name of Jesus. There's a lot of people maybe God has moved in and through their lives. And yet they still don't understand him. But God is revealing himself. As he has then. As he has been from the beginning. As he will until the day he returns. He's revealing himself. Such great love. And yet I'm always encouraged when I'm reading through scripture. And I can see how through the Old Testament, how the New Testament comes forth because the Messiah, Jesus, he fulfills all the prophecies. And that's why I always encourage you, man couldn't have written this book. Man couldn't have put this incredible story together. No, men were inspired by the Holy Spirit. God has put this beautiful love story together that he is purposed before even the world was formed, that his glory would be made known throughout the earth, and that he would have a people who he will call his own. And let us celebrate that. So as we go into our worship time this morning, I just want you to reflect on Jesus upon this week, looking towards the cross, but ultimately celebrating his resurrection. Amen?
take us to the cross tonight, Jesus. It's at the cross, Lord, that we receive healing. God, it's at the cross we receive mercy and grace. We give you thanks tonight, Jesus. Hallelujah. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy, you are worthy. Behold the Lamb who sits upon the throne, rules and reigns victorious.
glorified in our lives, Lord. You alone are worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. Come on, church, let's offer up our praise as human delight. He is worthy. He is worthy. He is King of kings. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Be glorified, Jesus.
Thank you, Father, for this truth, God, that you are the Son of God, Jesus, the Messiah. Thank you, Father, for your love. We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to gather, to open up your word, and to be encouraged. Oh, God, we set our gaze upon you and not get distracted by the things in this world. Oh, God, may we Surrender our hearts and our lives unto you, Christ Jesus. Yes. And not our will be done, but yours. Yes. And we go forth in this darkened world, burning as lights, yes. proclaiming the gospel, the good news of a great Savior, Jesus. Yes. We thank you, Lord. Yes. Exodus chapter 7, verse 25. And then we're going through chapter 9. Last week we started to really get a picture of the mercy of God. We talked last week that either you're receiving God's mercy or you're under God's judgment. Your choice. Hopefully you're choosing God's mercy. God's revealing himself. God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son, Jesus. And here, God has sent Moses to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Pharaoh would not respond, will not respond to God. He will not let God's people go. It's not taking God by surprise, for God is hardening Pharaoh's heart. Because ultimately, God is going to reveal himself, not just to Pharaoh, but to the nation of Egypt, the Egyptians, and to his own people. His glory will be made known. So we pick up today, verse 25, seven days passed from the time the Lord struck the Nile. And now we're picking up with another plague that is about to hit the land. Chapter 8. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go back to Pharaoh and announce to him, This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will send a plague of frogs across your entire land. The Nile River will swarm with frogs. They will come up out of the river and into your palace, even into your bedroom and onto your bed. They will enter the houses of your officials and your people. They will even jump into your ovens and in your kneading bowls. Frogs will jump on you, your people, and all your officials. And the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, raise the staff in your hand over all the rivers, canals, and ponds of Egypt, and bring up frogs all over from over all the land. So Aaron raised his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the whole land. But the magicians were able to do the same thing with their magic. They too caused frogs to come up on the land of Egypt. What a scene. 
What a scene. And yet last week we're reminded, don't be swayed by what the enemy can do. God will always swallow up the enemy's doings. Darkness cannot extinguish light. Light exposes the darkness. And so we have this, if you would, battle taking place. Pharaoh's heart is not turning so easily. He's not obeying what God is requiring of him. And so now the land is plagued with frogs. They're all over. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and begged, Plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. I will let your people go so they can offer sacrifice to the Lord. Now don't miss out on that verse. And we've seen it multiple times. But let's just focus in today on verse 8 and 9. Pharaoh summoning Moses and Aaron yet again. And look what Pharaoh says. It's important to see. Plead with the Lord. Or I'm recognizing him for who he is. But I'm not obeying him. I recognize that he can get this cleaned up. But I'm not going to obey him. In this moment, he's desperate. He's recognizing God. But after this moment, again, we'll see him go back to his old ways. And it's no difference than maybe some of us in the room here. We plead with God when we're desperate. And yet when God brings us through, we go right back to our old ways. And that ought not be. How great is our God? How great is our God? Oh, how we should believe in his power and in his name and how we should be walking in obedience unto him, trusting him, honoring him, not in and of ourselves, but even through his own power, he gives us everything we need to live a godly life. Let us not be the ones that cry out to God when we're desperate and then turn right back from him once he answers. That's not how it is to be. Here we see Pharaoh recognizing the only way these frogs are going to be dealt with is from the Lord. From the God whom sent Moses to me. He's recognizing. He's even recognizing his power. And yet he is still, still refusing to obey. You set the time, Moses replied. Tell me when you want to, me to pray for you, your officials and your people. Then you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. They will remain only in the Nile River. Do it tomorrow, Pharaoh said. <laughs> All right, Moses replied. It will be as you have said. Then you will know that there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you in your houses, your officials, and your people. They will remain only in the Nile River. So Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh's palace, and Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had inflicted on Pharaoh. And the Lord did just what Moses had predicted. The frogs in the houses, the courtyards, and the fields all died. The Egyptians piled them up into great heaps, and a terrible stench filled the land. But when Pharaoh saw that relief had come, he became stubborn. 
he refused to listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had predicted. So the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, raise your staff to strike the ground. The dust will turn into swarms of gnats throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded them. When Aaron raised his hand and struck the ground with the staff, gnats infested the entire land, covering the Egyptians and their animals. All the dust in the land of Egypt turned to gnats. Pharaoh's magicians tried to do the same thing with their secret arts, but they failed. This time they failed, and the gnats covered everyone, people and animals alike. This is the finger of God. Look at verse 19. The magicians exclaimed to Pharaoh, but Pharaoh's heart remained hard. He wouldn't listen to them just as the Lord had predicted. Now the magicians are seeing what they have cannot match God's power. They couldn't replicate this one. And yet, when Pharaoh is informed from his own magicians, he still is not listening. Then the Lord told Moses, get up early in the morning and stand in Pharaoh's way as he goes down to the river. Say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse, then I will send swarms of flies on you, your officials, your people, and all the houses. The Egyptians' homes will be filled with flies and the ground will be covered with them. But this time I will spare the region of Goshen where my people live. No flies will be found there. Then you will know that I am the Lord and that I am present even in the heart of your land. I will make a clear distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will happen tomorrow. Wow. God is relentless. Remember his purpose here. To reveal himself, you all. And now we see not only to reveal himself, but to draw, if you would, a line in the sand. These are my people. These are whom belong to me. As it was then, so it is now. We are his people. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, we have been engrafted into his family. We have been given the right to call him Abba, to call him Daddy. We are to live differently. This world is not our home. We've nailed our passions to his cross. And the world's interest in us is no longer. We are to be living differently now, going the ways of his kingdom, serving him, honoring him. We're to be marked. We're to be a, a different people. While we're on this earth, passing through, remember serving others, loving others, to become more like Christ, not perfect, our goal, again, is never perfection. We're not perfected until we are with him. But until then, we ought to be maturing. That's why it's vital that you're maturing, you're growing in your Christian faith. 
You once were, but now you are. You once were, but now you are. You're growing, you're growing, you're encouraging each other, you're edifying each other, you're building each other up. Each of us have been given a ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of this incredible kingdom, you all. This is what we've been entrusted with. May we be faithful servants to it. Good stewards. Here we see that God is now setting apart. Not only am I revealing myself, oh, but you're going to know that these are my people and I am their God. Verse 24, and the Lord did just as he, as he said, a thick swarm of flies filled Pharaoh's palace and the houses of his officials. The whole land of Egypt was thrown into chaos by the flies. Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. All right, go ahead and offer sacrifices to your God, he said, but do it here in this land. But Moses replied, that wouldn't be right. The Egyptians detest the sacrifices that we will offer to the Lord our God. Look, if we offer our sacrifices here where the Egyptians can see us, they will stone us. We must take a three-day trip into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God, just as he has commanded us. All right, go ahead, Pharaoh replied. I will let you go into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord your God, but don't go too far away. Now hurry and pray for me. And Moses answered, As soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord, and tomorrow the swarms of flies will disappear from you and your officials and all your people. But I'm warning you, Pharaoh, don't lie to us again and refuse to let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So Moses left Pharaoh's palace and pleaded with the Lord to remove all the flies. And the Lord did as Moses asked and caused the swarms of flies to disappear from Pharaoh, his officials, and his people. Not a single fly remained. But Pharaoh again became stubborn and refused to let the people go. Wow not over yet you all it's not over it's interesting though Pharaoh's stubbornness is not only affecting Pharaoh but it's affecting everyone and don't we find that in our own lives think about that your own stubbornness your own disobedience doesn't just cost you. It costs others around you. God help us. We're not to be a stubborn people. We're not to be a bitter people. We're not to be an unforgiving people. We're not to be a mean, vindictive people. <laughs> no, we're to be the people of God. We're to be people who are turning from evil and doing good. A people who are seeking for peace and working hard to maintain it. Living lives, not as broken people, but people who have been delivered. People who have been healed. Completely healed. Living from this new identity. We are <clears throat> born again. 
man, these people are suffering because of this man's stubbornness. They're enduring all of this. And he still will not bow his knee. Go back to Pharaoh, (laughs) chapter 9. The Lord commanded Moses, tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so they can worship me. If you continue to hold them and refuse to let them go, the hand of the Lord will strike all your livestock, your houses, I'm sorry, your horses, donkeys, camels, cattle, sheep, and goats with a deadly plague. But the Lord will make again make a distinction between the livestock of the Israelites and that of the Egyptians. Not a single one of the Israel, of Israel's animals will die. The Lord has already set the time for the plague to begin. He has declared that he will strike the land tomorrow. And the Lord did just as he has said. The next morning all the livestock of the Egyptians died, but the Israelites didn't lose a single animal. Pharaoh sent his officials to investigate, and they discovered that the Israelites had not lost a single animal. But even so, Pharaoh's heart remained stubborn, and he still refused to let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from the brick kiln and have Moses toss it into the air while Pharaoh watches. The ashes will spread like fine dust over the whole land of Egypt, causing festering boils to break out on people and animals throughout the land. So they took soot from the brick kiln and went and stood before Pharaoh. As Pharaoh watched, Moses threw the soot into the air and boils broke out on all people and animals alike. Even the magicians were unable to stand before Moses because the boils had broken out on them and all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart. And just as the Lord had predicted to Moses, Pharaoh refused to listen. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and stand before Pharaoh. Tell him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go so they can worship me. If, you're, if you don't, I will send more plagues on you and your officials and your people. Then you will know that there is no one like me in all the earth. By now I could have lifted my hand and struck you and your people with a plague to wipe you off the face of the earth. Listen to that verse. Verse 15. Mm-hmm. All these other plagues that have occurred... Yet though they had to endure them, God's mercy was being displayed. Because look what God himself says, But I have spread, I'm sorry, But I have spared you, verse 16, for a purpose. Oh, no, I'm sorry, verse 15. But now I could have lifted my hand and struck you and your people with a plague to wipe you off the face of the earth. But I have spared you for a purpose to show you my power and to spread my fame throughout the earth God's purpose you all oh God could have wiped them off the first go around but God is bringing his purpose forward to make his name famous throughout the earth that 
people will know that there is a God. Mm -hmm. So we can't just read this like this is a, a good little story. But this is actual events that, have, that occurred. God himself, the God of heaven, <laughs> is revealing himself. And as we're reading his living word, uh, may he be revealed to us. Oh, God could have dealt with it a lot sooner. But he's allowing these plagues to take place. And just as he allows things in our lives to take place to get our attention. To get our attention. He's a sovereign God. And we can trust him. But oh, may we not be stubborn as Pharaoh Verse 17, but you still lord it over my people and refuse to let them go. So tomorrow at this time, I will send a hailstorm more devastating than any in all the history of Egypt. Quick, order your livestock and your servants to come in from the fields to find shelter. Any person or animal left outside will die when the hail falls. Here's yet another picture of mercy. He's telling him what he's about to do. This devastating hailstorm is coming. But just as he speaks of this destruction, he warns them. Bring in your servants and bring in their animals. Quick, order them in. Some of Pharaoh's officials were afraid because of what the Lord has said. They quickly brought their servants and livestock in from the field. But those who paid no attention to the word of the Lord left theirs out in the open. Mm -hmm. Then the Lord said to Moses, Lift your hand towards the sky so hell may fall on the people, the livestock, and all the plants throughout the land of Egypt. So Moses lifted his staff towards the sky, and the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed toward the earth. The Lord sent a tremendous hailstorm against all the land of Egypt. Never in all of history of Egypt have there been a storm like that, which with such devastating hail and continuous lightning. It left all of Egypt in ruins. The hail struck down everything in the open field, people, animals, and plants alike. Even the trees were destroyed. The only place without hail was the region of Goshen where the people of Israel lived. Then Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned. Listen to Pharaoh's words. He confessed, The Lord is the righteous one, and my people and I are wrong. Please beg the Lord to end this terrifying thunder in hell. We've had enough. I will let you go. You don't need to stay any longer. All right, Moses replied, as soon as I leave the city, I will lift my hands and pray to the Lord. Then the thunder and hail will stop and you will know that the earth belongs to the Lord. But I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord God. All the flax and barley were ruined by the hail because the barley had formed heads and the flax was budding. But the wheat and the emmer wheat were spared because they had not yet sprouted from the ground. So Moses left Pharaoh's court and went out to the city. When he lifted his hands to the Lord, the thunder and the hell stopped. The downpour ceased. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain, hell, and thunder had stopped, 
he and his officials sinned again, and Pharaoh be again became stubborn because his heart was hard. Pharaoh refused to let the people leave, just as the Lord had predicted through Moses. Mm. Wow. He's even confessing this time. He's recognizing his sin, his wrongdoing. He's acknowledging God. And yet, he still goes his way. He's still his own God, full of pride and arrogance, going his way. Let it not be said of us, you all. Let us not play games with God. Let him be God, you all. Remain humble. Submit yourselves to the Lord. Trust in him and obey. Don't be like Pharaoh and his officials who are just playing games with God. I need you now. I need you today, but I don't need you tomorrow. God help us. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. Verse 13 through 30. One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could lay his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. But Jesus said, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. And he placed his hands on their heads and blessed them before he left. The kingdom of heaven, you all. Kingdom of God. You never really did a Bible study. I've gone through scriptures where Jesus talks about his kingdom. I would encourage you to do so. Go read these scriptures. His kingdom, you all is not of this earth. So that's why we are not to be of the earth, swayed and moved by this world. We recognize it as it being only temporal. Here today, gone tomorrow. But the kingdom of God is for eternity. For eternity. We are created for his, his kingdom, you all. And so he's given us an insight here. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me what is good, Jesus replied. There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones, the man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? Don't lose sight of what's taking place here. This young man, this rich young ruler, was sincere in his question. What must I do? Look to have eternal life. 
He's having a conversation with Jesus. The author of life. The giver of life. And Jesus knowing this young man's heart as he knows our hearts. He begins to interact with this young man. And he knows that this man must have been living a moral life, if you would. There's a lot of good people in this world. They have high morals. They live a quote-unquote good life. But that doesn't make them Christians. There's good people in this world. But it doesn't make them Christians. This was a good man. Jesus didn't say to him when he said, well, I've kept all of them. So this man, Jesus didn't point out where this man didn't keep them. He went straight to the root of the issue of this man's heart. Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. He was wealthy. And Jesus got right at the core of the issue of his heart. You want to follow me? You want to inherit eternal life? Then get over yourself. Remember the call of a disciple? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Lay your life down. <laughs> Daily. It's not just a one-shot deal. Daily. Lay your life down. Deny yourself. Pick up his cross and follow him. See, Jesus is our example. That's why he came. He's victorious. He's accomplished. It is finished, he cries out from the cross. If you're in Christ, you've been set free. You have the hope of eternal life. This which this young man was seeking after. He came seeking after hope, but he left very discouraged. Because he wasn't willing to give it all away. Then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth. It is very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is possible. Amen. God, you Salvation. God is pleased to reveal himself to us through his son Jesus so that we will be saved. But he deals with our heart issues, you all. This isn't just some kumbaya type of message. No, the Christian life, it's a hard life. No one should paint it to be easy because Jesus didn't paint it to be easy. In this world, you will have trouble. 
But in knowing this, be of good cheer, he says, for I've already overcame the world. Don't set your hopes and, and your sights on this world. The people of the world, the things of this world, all of it is trouble. <laughs> he even tells us, it's going to get worse as the days get closer to my return. The love of many are going to grow cold. The chaos and the un ungodliness that's going to abound. But don't fall prey to it. Be my children of light. Only God can bring forth salvation. And then Peter said to him, We're, we've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new and the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne, you who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the tw 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. God's kingdom, you all. God's kingdom. Oh, may we set our gaze upon him. May we encourage each other into praying, come Lord Jesus, come. May we look forward to his kingdom daily. Don't set your gaze or anything down here. You set him upon his kingdom. On Jesus live as one who has been engrafted into this kingdom you ought to know the principles of this kingdom that's why you need to be in the word that's why you must be growing and maturing we must seek after him the Bible says if we seek him we will find him if we seek him with our whole heart and that it be so today as you leave this place and you go and you seek after him don't be discouraged like this rich young ruler and walk away discouraged. No, get up and run after him. Go to Psalm 24. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundation on the seas and built it upon the ocean's depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those with whose hands and hearts are pure who do not worship idols and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessings and have a right relationship with God their Savior. Such people may seek you and worship in your presence, O God of Jacob. Wow. Everything belongs to the Lord, you all. Everything. And look at this incredible picture. Who can climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his presence? Only those whose hands and hearts are pure, 
who do not worship idols and never tell lies. Wow. They will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior. What a beautiful picture. Can you just let that sink in? Can you see how great his power is? Can you see him as creator, Lord of over all? Can we get a full picture of who he is so that we may live for him? How quick we are with the tongue, with telling lies. We ought not to be. We ought to be maturing and again growing. This theme through today's message of growing and maturing, yet again we find ourselves, and yet again every time you open up the word, that's where you will find yourself to be encouraged to get up and grow up. Stop staying down. Get up and grow up. Let that be your, your phrase for the week. Tell yourself, get up and grow up in Christ so that you may be able to stand in his presence and worship him not because of anything you're doing or working for salvation it's not about that you can't add anything to what Christ has already accomplished you just freely receive it and in receiving it it transforms you so that fruit is being coming forth from your life a new way of living Open up, verse 7, ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates. Open up ancient doors and let the king of glory enter. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the king of glory. Proverbs chapter 4. 6, verse 1 through 5. And this proverb describes three people. The first one we're going to read about today is the one who pledges to secure another's debt. Then the next portion we'll read next couple weeks is about lazy people. And then finally, we'll end this Proverbs with the troublemakers. The last one is the worst, and the Lord detests him for it. All three of these character shortcomings lead to destruction. So listen to that as we're going through this song, I mean this proverb. All three characteristics lead to destruction. It's the last one, the troublemaker, that the Lord detests. Today, we're looking at the one who pledges to secure another's debt. My child, if you have put up security for a friend's debt or agreed to guarantee the debt of a stranger, if you are trapped, if you have trapped yourself by your agreement and are caught by what you said, follow my advice and save yourself, for you have placed yourself at your friend's mercy. Now swallow your pride. Look at this picture. Go and beg to have your name erased. Don't put it off. Do it now. Don't rest until you do. Save yourself like a gazelle escaping from a hunter, like a bird fleeing from a net. So what can we learn from this proverb? 
It is foolish to guarantee someone else's debt. Don't do it. Don't do it. You'll be trapped. You'll be trapped. Careful how you live. We want to be wise. We want to be wise. We want to be good stewards with everything that God has entrusted us with. And the lesson that we can learn from the Word of God is this. Don't guarantee to pay off someone else's debt. Don't do it. It can only lead to destruction. It can only lead to destruction. We need to be good stewards financially, you all. Whatever you're given, be a good steward of it. Encourage each other to be a good steward of it. Grow and mature in it. Grow and mature in it. And God will honor it. Amen? I'm going to close with these last songs. And then we're going to have a time of communion. And then we'll have a time of prayer. Amen?
Take me to the cross. 